staff of these other homes, but we did have two stable boys, a coachman, a footman, a lady's maid for mama, a parlor maid, the nurse, the tutor, Cassie, our cook, and her husband, Cato. Cassie was young when I was a small girl, in her middle twenties. She was not tall, but her strong, lithe body was well-proportioned, and from her oval face, with its slightly receding chin and judgmental mouth, a pair of quick brown eyes gazed discerningly upon the world. Cato I rarely saw, for he was usually abroad chopping or hauling wood, digging the garden or carrying bushels of hay. He was very tall, thin, and dark. I thought he would have made an excellent scarecrow, and indeed, he often seemed one to me as he stood between tasks in the garden. I did not know the sound of his voice, but when I chanced to come upon him, he always bowed gravely. Cassie spoke to me of him with great pride. I remember laughter, too, which echoed down hallways as Jeb and I chased each other on freshly waxed floors. Beyond the house, our laughter became lost behind the dense shrubbery, only to reassert itself in sudden shrieks as we darted in and out of the trees, on hunts for treasure or in violent games of tag. We lived in our own world, neither needing nor desiring others. Mama and Papa were as distant to us as the gods of Mount Olympus pushy and irrelevant beings who now and again swept down upon us to insist that we eat, dress, or ready ourselves for bed. If the grounds defined our kingdom, then the house itself was our castle. It had been built in 1746 and had two stories of five bays, with two fine parlors on either side of a grand entryway. But the house also had closets and dark halls in which to hide and from these we leapt out at one another at unexpected moments. Or we would race down the stairs, grasp the ornately carved newel post, the unrivaled envy of all Cambridge society, and careen through the foyer in pursuit of each other. We would run past the round mahogany table upon which exotic flowers luxuriated in an antique vase, until Mama inevitably cried, Take care! You shall break the vase! Maria was born in the spring of sixty, when I was four. Unlike Jeb and me, who were fair, she was as dark as a little Spaniard child. She was, as well, so quiet and contented as a babe that I often forgot she existed. Mama probably did, too, for she held her but a few minutes a day, when our nurse brought the dark little creature into the library for its diurnal petting. Of all the rooms in our house, this library was my favorite. It housed a pianoforte, imported from Italy at great expense, which no one knew how to play, but which Mama thought she might one day learn. There was a mahogany card table and a candle stand upon which sat a large tome of colored floral engravings. Here, my mother could usually be found working on a needlework screen or quietly perusing her flower book until she declared which species of flora she would have that year in her garden. If my father were present, he would frown and say, Mrs. Boylston, one could as easily grow a palm tree. Oh, but I'm sure there's a way, Mama would say, tapping her finger on the book's cover for emphasis. Surely there exists a special mulch or soil or other. There is no way, Papa insisted. Unlike Mama, he knew something about palm trees, since many grew on his Bridgetown sugar plantation. Neither Mama nor I had seen the plantation firsthand, but I felt I knew it intimately from a detailed watercolor in Papa's library, 
which was painted during the time of my grandfather's tenancy. But Mama simply would not accept the realities of our harsh New England clime. Each year, having learned nothing from previous disappointments, she blamed the plant's failure to thrive on the servants. Something simply isn't right, she would say. Cato must have made a mistake. I believed everything Mama told me then, about plants and palm trees and the shameful ignorance of slaves. I believed that a real lady must never lift a finger, and so I let my stockings fall to the floor to wait for the maid to pick them up. Rising in the morning, I stood in the center of my chamber with my arms above my head, waiting for this same maid to remove the shift from my body. Indeed, beyond holding my own fork and knife, I rarely used my arms at all. And it's a wonder they did not fall off from disuse. Though just as sheltered as I, Maria seemed to have...